Hey, I'm Pastor Mike, and thank you so much for taking time to check out this message. And I hope that it inspires you. I hope it pushes you either towards a relationship with Jesus or further along in your relationship with Jesus. But we would never want this message to replace the reality of what it means to be involved with a local church. Although I'm excited that you're checking this out and I, and I hope it speaks to you, let me encourage you that you need to be involved in a local body. There's something to the fact that you need to be under the authority of the spiritual lead of a pastor and involved in a community that can push you uh, further along. We are meant to be in community. So enjoy this message, but let me encourage you to be seeking an opportunity to be involved with a local church. Before I read God's word, can we pray real quick? Can we do that? Father God, you're so good. So grateful for this morning. So grateful for the feeling of your spirit in this place. And for the next few minutes, would you help us to not be distracted? Would you help us to focus in on what it is that you're saying to us and how your spirit is speaking to us? And so we clear our minds and our thoughts to focus just on you and your word. Speak to us, we ask. And we ask it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Matthew 6 and 33 says this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What do we seek first? The kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, what are all these things? Well, all these things are all the things that we normally worry about. What am I going to wear? What am I going to eat? What, what, what are we going to do with the kids this week? Or, you know, we're, we're going to try to go away and the holidays are coming and I got to think about this and that. Anybody got any crazy schedules? I mean, I have three teenage girls and it seems like everybody's going 800 different directions at one time. Right? And, and, and so, but listen to this. Seek first the kingdom of, of righteousness and all these things. Will, what else? Um, how about that business decision you need to make? How about whether or not to hire or fire that person? How about how to deal with your neighbor? Some, sometimes you got conflicts with your neighbor. Sometimes you got conflicts with your neighbor at work, right? How, how do we do? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. We've read that verse, if you've been in church any amount of time, probably a hundred times. And I wonder if you've glanced over now the depth of that statement. Think that through. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then, you know what will happen if you'll do that? All these other things will happen. All these other things will fall into place. All these other things, all those things you've been fretting about this week, that struggle, that bill you looked at and wondered how you were going to pay, that decision you got to make with the kids, that decision about your marriage, the struggle. Listen, seek first God and all these things. Listen to this. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I wrote it down this way and I kind of paraphrased that verse and I said it this way. Stop looking at what you want and look at what you need. 
Stop looking at what you want and look at what you need. So my first point of the day is this. God is the source of everything that I need. God is the source of everything that I need. It's been a little while since I've told you guys a Boudreaux joke. Let me tell you a little bit about Boudreaux. And I've told this one, but it's been a while since I told this. So you may not remember it. But talking about need and people having lack of something. So Boudreaux's walking around one day. For those of you who are new, Boudreaux's a good old Louisiana boy, which half of my family's from. Boudreaux's walking around one day and he sees these two guys. And these two guys are eating grass. They're bent over on all fours and they're eating the grass. Boudreaux's like, what the heck? So Boudreaux walks over and says, hey, why you, why you be doing that? He said, sir, um, we, we, we're homeless and we have nothing. This is all we have to eat. Boudreaux said, oh, no, no. You come into my house. He said, oh, sir. The one first guy said, I, sir, I, I appreciate that, but I can't. You don't understand. I, sitting back over there, I got a wife and three kids. He said, no, no, you all come into my house. Come into my house. And the other guy said, no, sir, you don't understand. I got a wife over there and I got four kids. He said, I don't care. You all come into our house. So this whole gang of people in Boudreaux walking down the street to Boudreaux's house. And it had that awkward silence. You know that moment when it's like you don't know someone, you don't really know what to say, and it's kind of awkward silence or whatever. They're walking that silence. Finally, one of the men breaks the silence. He goes to, sir, um, I can't thank you enough for this. Boudreaux said, oh, no, no, it's no problem at all. Wait till you see the grass in my house is like two feet tall. God, not Boudreaux, is the source of all that I need, right? God is the source of all that I need. Psalm 23, 1, listen to this. The Lord is my shepherd. We read this a lot. How often do we read verses that we've read a million times and we glance over them? This is the beginning of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack, what's the word? Nothing. Nothing. The Lord is my shepherd. What does a shepherd do? A shepherd feeds, leads, and meets needs. A shepherd feeds, leads, and meets needs. That's what a shepherd does. Feeds, leads, and meets needs. Right? And he says, I am, let me ask you a question. Who or what are your shepherds? In other words, what are you looking toward to feed you? Right? To lead you and to meet your needs. When you get into crisis, who's the first person you call on? Because Oprah's going to let you down. Right? Dr. Phil's got some good ideas, but there's an end to those, right? And so we've got to decide who our shepherd is going to be. So I want to tell you a story. I got five total points, four more points to give you today, but I want to do it through one story. And it's a story about a lady who's a widow. And uh, let me give you a little background story. She's having some difficulty in her life. This story, in case you want to know, is in 2 Kings chapter 4. Background of this, this story happened in about 850 BC, a little while ago. Israel was split into two kingdoms. There was a north and a south kingdom that was going on at the time, right? And uh, this story is in the northern kingdom. And in the northern kingdom, it's run by a king who is completely ignoring God. So even though he's in charge of the kingdom of northern Israel, he's really ignoring God. The nation is in turmoil. Listen to this. Nation's in turmoil. Enemies are getting stronger. The economy is getting weaker. And the leadership of the country is trusting more and more in their own wisdom rather than God's. And in the midst of this, there's a national crisis. Family after family is facing personal crisis of their own. Can anyone relate? So here's the story. First Kings 4, verse 1. It says this. The wife of a man from the company of prophets cried out to Elisha. 
let me, let me give you a little bit more background. So there's a wife. She comes and Elisha is one of the head prophets. Back in those days, they had prophets. Prophets spoke for God to the people. Okay. Now, Tradition goes, scholars believe that this lady was the wife of one of the prophets. As a matter of fact, Jewish tradition says that it was actually Obadiah who was one of the prophets. So this is Obadiah's wife. Now, Obadiah was a guy that when you go back and read in 1 Kings, he was always taking care of all the prophets. He was doing things to serve them, save them. He at one point saved a hundred of the prophets and fed them and took care of them. Well, obviously as a prophet, how are you going to do that? So what happens is Obadiah dies and he's got a bunch of debt. So the, 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 the uh, tradition, the Jewish tradition is he's helped and served all these prophets, dies and then leaves his wife in debt. She goes to Elisha and she says, your servant, my husband is dead and you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as slaves. So the woman's married and it's possibly Obadiah. To make things worth, now the creditors are banging on the door and they decide that they're going to take, she's got two boys, they're going to take the two boys and the way they dealt with debt back then is they would take your kids, put them in slavery and those kids would actually pay off your debt. Now some of you dads just got excited. I saw you, Brent, right? That's not how we do it anymore, all right? We don't do that, right? But the reality, that was the culture of the time is that's how they would do. They would have their children or family members go as, and work it off and work off the debt. Now anyone who... Um, Anyone who looks at a story like that in our day and age, we go slavery, childhood, that's jacked up. You got to understand the culture from that standpoint, right? So you got to kind of get around that. But it's not just the idea of enslaving children, but the thought that a man would die and leave his family in that place. And so here she is, and we don't get her name. We don't ever get her name. So she's the widow and the oil, which you'll hear about the oil in a minute. But this widow... She, she's at this place and you can only imagine, I mean, think about what that must be like. Some of you guys have lived through being a single mom or you know a single mom or you've seen that scenario and that struggle and that a single mom never has a moment off, right? They go to work, they pick up the kids. Now they're dealing with the kids. They're trying to get them to bed. And so she's living this life. Plus people are banging on her door and asking. And so she's at a place where she's like, I need some help. And I think she goes to Elijah because Obadiah had helped the prophet so much. She's like, you need to do something. You kind of have some responsibility here. Second point I want to make to you, and then I'm going to read the verse. Second point, the solution to your lack the solution to your problem, the, the, the ability for God to provide in a situation where you have need. The solution begins with what I have, not with what I don't have. The solution begins with what I have, not with what I don't have. Let me read you the verse and I'll explain. Second Kings 4 and 2. Elisha replies to her, well, how can I help you? Listen to this. Tell me what you have in your house. Now stop, stop and think that through. I love to like stop and like put myself in the place because I'm thinking like if I'm that woman standing there and he looks at me and goes, what do you have in your house? I'd be like, none of your dang business. Are you going to help me or not? Right? Like you think about the response that she might have, but he says, what do you have in your house? And she goes, your servant has nothing there at all. She said, you ever been in that place? You know, okay, this is what you did this morning. Some of you did this this morning. You walked in because you have first world problems. You walked in to the the room you have for your clothes. You, you realize that your clothes have their own room, right? It's a first world problem. You opened up the door. 
And he went, ah, what'd you say? I have nothing to wear. Right? That's, we're just like the widow. She looks around and she's like, I got nothing. Why? Because she's so focused on her need, she doesn't pay attention to what she already has. And so what he's trying to do in this moment is he's saying, what do you have? And she goes on, she says, accept a small jar of olive oil. And it's so funny because when we lack, when we get into a place of struggle, and some of you are there right now, some of you are in that place where I don't know where this is coming from or that coming from. I don't know. I need God to to do something to provide a scenario or provide an answer or a resource, and you're in that place. But I need you to grasp something today. God is not Santa Claus. And here's what I mean. I really think that many times, and I've been just as guilty as anyone else, I think we treat more God more like Santa Claus than we do like God. Because the God of the Bible, when you read the scripture, you know what he wants? He wants a relationship with you. He wants relationship. He wants give and take. He wants back and forth. That's what a relationship is. But how often is it that our prayer or our relationship with him, all it looks like is a request list. Right? Because all we're doing is focusing on what we don't have. I need this and this and this. And I started thinking about it and I thought, you know what? When we pray that way or when we are in that mindset, what we're really asking God to do is, Hey God, give me what I need and give me a life where you're unnecessary. Did you catch that? Like, if you just give me what I need, then I won't need you. And how much our Heavenly Father wants to have relationship. Like, He wants, He wants the give and take. Like, God actually likes the struggle. When I look back at the things that Jen and I have gone through, December 21st will be 23 years. And in 23 years, when I look back at some of our toughest moments, I see that, that, that it was, it was a time where we, we came together. Like the relationship got tighter. We, we held on to each other. We grabbed a hold of the relationship and we said, well, all right, if we got to live in a cardboard box, whatever, let's launch this church. Right? We, 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 and, and the reality is, is that when you look back, Trial and struggle is what deepens relationship, not when everything's great, right? When everything's great, we just kind of, okay, whatever, and we actually have a tendency to veer away from relationship. But God is not interested in being Santa Claus and just fulfilling our needs where he's no longer necessary. He wants to be necessary. It's not that he wants us to use him. He wants us to have relationship with him. Right? And he has a story that he's building and he wants us to participate. This woman looks at her situation is so frustrated. She doesn't know where to begin. Elisha looks at her and says, tell me what you have. Nothing. I got nothing. Right? That really wasn't true. Oftentimes in those situations, all we can do is focus on what we don't have. And when problems arise, God wants us to first look for the solution in what we have, not in what we don't have. After the first of the year, we just paid the fee to have something called Financial Peace University. 
So for those of you who are struggling financially, I want you to prepare yourself now that after the first of the year, we're actually going to have a small group that you can be a part of. And I promise you, if you work it, I promise you, you will start to get out of debt. You will save. You will. Do, I mean, it's, it's an amazing program, right? But here's what they're going to tell you first. What do you have? That's, that's, that's what you're going to look at first. You're going to, you're going to just, you got to figure out where you are, right? Before you can figure out how to get to B, you got to figure out you're at A. Like you have to understand what is going on and where that is. By the way, this is just kind of a bonus. If you find yourself in constant trouble, like financially, if you've declared bankruptcy, relationally, you're having struggles with friendships or relationships, marriage, you're on your second marriage and it's struggling. Work, you lost your job or you continue to be unhappy or unfulfilled in your job and you're mad at the world because it keeps happening again and again and you can't figure out what's wrong with the world. Can I say it to you? Do I need to say it to you? It's you. It's me. And so often we're looking out at everything we lack and everything we don't have. When, when I read the scripture, God says to us, I've given you everything that you need. If you will trust me, if you will follow me, if you will do it my way, you will lack nothing. Back to the story. The good news is that God's always been able to do a lot with a little. Amen? Right? Like the feeding of the 5,000 and so many other things that God has done. He fed 5,000 people with, you know, five loaves of, uh, five loaves and two fish. He changed the world with 12 ordinary men. Have you ever thought about how amazing that is? Think about how many millions of people are gathering right now to worship and to be a part of, uh, this movement of God that is going on. But it started with 12 men and they were goobers. Right? They weren't the coolest people on the planet. They were goobers. They were arguing over the dumbest. I mean, God can do a lot with a little. The Bible says he's the God who made something out of nothing, right? Who gives life to the dead and calls things that are, that are not as though they are. He can overcome any and every circumstance that you have if you will surrender. If you will surrender. Look at what you have. Those of you who lost a job, what do you have? opportunities what skills do you have how about connections passions ideas there might be somebody sitting around you right now that you could talk to but during the the uh, invitation time the meeting time you you were like "Ah, i don't feel like talking to anybody right now right did you know did y'all notice something this was the extrovert side this morning this aisle was full and everybody introverted kind of went over here and sat down it was it was it was, it was amazing. I was just standing here. Listen to me. Listen, listen. People are a part of the process. People are a part of the process. You know what one of the greatest resources that you have in your life right now? It's the people sitting around you. It's one of the greatest resources in our lives that we overlook every day. Right? I have a tendency to take for granted my wife, who is an amazing resource for me. My girls, who teach me as much as I teach them often. Right? The, the, the elders that I've put around me here at the church to speak life into me. There are people around, resources. You have some amazing people that are right around you, some of your great resources. Start with what you have, not with what you don't have. Number three, be willing to do whatever it takes. Somebody say whatever. Whatever it takes. See, desperation can jar us out of a lesser story. You know why sometimes God lets you get into that place? 
Because it's the only way he can get you to stop choosing a lesser story than the one he has for you. Desperation has this way of jar- jarring us out, right? I'm so, I'm so grateful uh, that Ryan, um, you know, survived that crate. But, but even more that he walked out. And for those of you who knew, we had one of our guys that was in a car accident. Car flipped. He was ejected. And yet, I mean, he didn't have a broken bone. Like, what, what is God doing in that, right? But listen, listen, here's what's funny. I don't know if you saw the video of him when he was looking at his truck and he got all emotional. Boy, nothing, nothing like that kind of a moment or desperation to jar us out of our previous reality and bring us to a new reality, right? And so some of you, maybe you should thank God for the mess that you're in right now. Because he's jarring you out of a lesser story. Right? He's jarring you to say, stop choosing this because there's something greater that I have for you. Be willing to do whatever it takes. Pick up the story in verse 3. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Well, that sounds really humiliating, doesn't it? Come on, think about it. Go ask your neighbors for jars. Oh my gosh. Right? I'm blessed enough to have good neighbors. They're, they're here this morning. Uh, but there was a time period when we were kind of distant. Right? And it was kind of like, I don't know if I want to go talk to them. I don't know if they want to talk to me. Come on, anybody like that? Right? Think about it right now. If God's answer for you was, hey, what I need you to do is you need to go around your whole neighborhood and borrow dishes and glasses from everybody. Right? Go around and ask all the neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. <laughs> God is awesome, right? I mean, can you see her like, hold on. Can I, can I have another pot, please? I'll come back and get, I mean, like, you pick, don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars and on each, and as each is filled, put it to one side. Let me give you a formula this morning that I've been kind of thinking about all week and praying about for a while now. You, you have a need. Most of us here have some kind of a need. We have some kind of a something that we need God to provide, whether it be a, a physical resource or nice. Let me give you a little formula for overcoming. When you're in a place that, that you're struggling and you need to overcome, the, the formula for overcoming is this. It's overcoming equals, number one is humility. The second one is times effort. It's humility times effort. Why do I start with humility? Because the only way you're going to overcome is if you begin to recognize two things. One, that God is your source and he is the one who has all you need. You need. And two, do you know how he likes to resource you? Through other people. You need God and you need other people. But guess what that takes? Humility. Because I don't like to need anybody. Come on, somebody. Right? I don't want to need anybody else. I don't want to feel like a charity case or I don't want to feel by, but listen to me. This is the design. God has designed it in such a way where we surrender to him. We humble ourselves before him and then we humble ourselves to each other. This is why we do small groups because you've got to get into relationship with other people. You've got to get into a place. I got a group of men that we meet on Thursday nights and I love these guys and I love the honesty that they come with. And so Thursday night, we were talking about struggles that we have, and everybody around the table is married. So we were talking about marriage and dealing with our wives and trying to figure out our wives and giving up on them, trying to figure out our wives. All right? I mean, and, 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 the, and the honesty. But you know what? When we walk away, everybody who walks away from that table feels encouraged to go try again. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? Because as men, I, I didn't put this in my note, but I, as men, like, 
We get one little no, and we're like, mm, fine. We pout and we walk away. Don't lie. You know you do. Like men have zero pain tolerance. Come on. We have zero pain tolerance when it comes to that kind of thing. Like, and as soon as we have an idea, oh, oh, I'm going to get all up in your business now. As soon as we have an idea, like, you know what? I came up with a date night. And all the ladies in their heads just went, oh, crap. Because you know you're going to do this, guys. Hey, how about this? We could do this and this and this. She goes, well. And then she alters it a little bit. Like on a different continent, you know? Listen, and, and we have this struggle with... We have this struggle with going back and forth. We have this struggle with relationship. Listen, that is what this life is all based on. It's all relationship. It's the struggle. It's the give and take. And it is not a business negotiation with your spouse or your family or people. That's business. But you got to put business away and sit down and do relationship. Somebody needed that. Okay. Overcoming equals humility times effort. Effort, effort, effort. Somebody say effort. It takes effort. It takes intentional energy. Right thinking. Right? Consistently doing right things. Building momentum towards the solution. We keep going. We keep going. We keep trying. We keep trusting. Right? Try, fail, recover, and do it again. Try, fail, recover, and do it again. Try, fail, fix it, and do it again. This is, this is what we need to do. This is part of this. But that's really not popular thinking. So what do you do when life doesn't go your way? A lot of us mope, get depressed, give up, retreat, right? Three types of people, I think, that when they hit a, when they hit a, an issue. One is the escapers. Escapers, they eat, drink, get entertained, take vacation, come back to the issue, and it's still there. It's escapers, right? Then you have controllers. They will steal, lie, cheat, get angry, manipulate the situation till it suits them. They'll destroy relationships, burn bridges, blame and shame. Sometimes that works for the short term, but the long run is not real good. And then the third one, listen to me, are disciples. You know what a disciple does? Follows. Humility and effort. That we come to a place when we have an issue and we go, okay, God, not why, but what? What are you doing here? How would you like me to deal this? Right, right. I'm not focusing on what I don't have. I'm focusing on what I need. And what I need is the creator of the universe, the designer of the story, the guy who knows the beginning to the end to speak life into me and tell me how to deal with this situation. And he wants me to do that because he wants relationship with me. He wants me to engage with him. He will allow that situation so that I will engage with him and walk with him. Right? The point is not to get God to answer it so we can walk away and go about our business. The point is to walk with God through life. It's to walk with Him. And God says the solution is effort and humility. In bad situations, pride is not your friend. The Bible says that God opposes the proud. Right? But it takes humility. So she has to humble herself, take the advice of someone else. What about you? Have you asked for help lately? Just a side question. Then she has to go door to door to her neighbors asking for help. Can I borrow some jars? Like, I cannot think of anything worse. I, I literally stood on my front porch and looked down the driveway and thought about my neighborhood and thought, what would it be like for me to walk around going, can I have a jar? 
Humility and effort. Number four. Act believing God will show up. Act believing that God will show up. Second Kings. She left him and she shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there's not a jar left. And then the oil stopped flowing. First thing I want you to catch there is that God first, a lot of the time, wants you to take the first step. Why? Because the first step is about relationship. Right? It's about saying, I trust you. And yes, I believe. And so we act believing that God is going to move and that God is going to do. Right? She shuts the door behind her. And she's full of jars. And all she had to do, think about this. She goes and she gets all the jars. I mean, walk through the story. She gets all the jars. She got jars laying all over the, all over the floor, all in her house. Right? You cannot make me believe that she didn't have that moment. Do you know that moment of doubt that you have? When you think you're supposed to do something and you're about halfway through it and you go, I don't know. Like, I wonder if she got to the point point. she's like, really? All these... It's bad enough doing those people. What am I? Gonna, I'm going to pour this jar in here. Like, but no, no, no. She, she pushes through the doubt. Like, how many of us deal with that doubt? Like, on a day-to-day basis, when we're going through something, we feel like we're supposed to do something, and we break down in the middle of that. But I need you to hear something that is so, so critical about our relationship with God. There are these if-then statements all over the Bible. They go like this. If you will, huh, then God will, huh. If you will, then God will. If you will, then God, it is all over the scripture. I pulled up as many as I could find and just, just like pulling them up uh, through my search engine, I pulled up like 2530 if then statements, if then statements, if then. See, when, when the Israelites were headed to the promised land, They had to cross the Jordan at river flood stage. They had to put their feet in the water first before he made the waters go away. Right? In John 9, Jesus puts mud on a blind man's eye. He spits in the mud. Yeah, spits in the mud. I love this story. Puts mud on the blind man's eye and tells him to wash. The man obeys and he can see. So the woman takes the oil and she starts to pour it and it starts to flow and it fills up the first jar. And it fills up the next jar. And it fills up the next jar. If God wanted to think this through, could he not have just produced jars in her house? Like, why didn't they just go, Oh, God of the universe who spoke all things into being, give me jars. And isn't it funny how that's how we do it with God? We're always looking for the shortcut, right? We're always looking for the easy way. And God is always looking for the relational way. Always looking for the relational way. Always taking us out of our comfort zone to make us interact with Him and people. Always making us go door to door. Making us do these things. He could have just done that, but He didn't. So here's, here's, here's the thought that I had. The measure of her effort or faith was directly proportional to the magnitude of her blessing. The measure of her effort. In other words, he was like, all right, you're going to have to go around. It's going to be a little humbling, but I want to check your pride. 
And she goes around door to door and she gets, and then you're going to get back to the house and then you're going to have to pour. You're going to have to trust that this is going to actually happen. And she does it. But the interesting thing is, as soon as the jars run out, the oil runs out. What would have happened if they had gone to one more house? I think the oil would have kept going. See, it's relational. Like it's, it's relational with God in the way that we do things. There are times when God supplies to the level of our faith in the Bible. And it says that it's, it's the standard of the measure. Let me, let me give you a few that just, just in Luke chapter six, I found these. It says our judgment of others will determine how we're judged. It says our ability to forgive impacts our forgiveness. Our ability to give will impact what he gives to us, right? Luke 6 and 38 says it this way. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. In your moment of struggle, in your moment of lack, in your moment of whatever it is that you need God to provide for him to show up and do a miracle of provision and provide something. We cannot look at what we don't have. We've got to look at what we do have. And then we've got to humble ourselves to have relationship with him and say, God, how do you want me to walk this through? Man, in the, in the recent couple of years, there's been a couple of tragedies and things that I've walked some people through. And in that moment, they go, like, how can, the, how can God let this happen? Or how could this be? Or why? Right? And we always say the words, well, you're going to see, man. God's going God's to make it, you know, it's, he, he's going to show you eventually what it is. He's going to show you that scenario. And he will if, if we walk with him. If we have relationship with him. If we continue to trust when I'm not feeling it. How long did it take them? Think about it. It must have taken them probably a couple hours to go door to door and get the journey. How long will it take for your journey? I don't know. How long will God show up? Well, I can tell you this. It'll take a lot longer if you just try to do it yourself. It'll take a lot longer if you, prov- if you, if you decide that you are your provider and I'm just going to buckle down and go to work. I'm going to focus on what I don't have and I'm going to meet that need. No, God is your source. Are you acting in such a way that believes that God will show up? For those of us who have a tendency to react or be worriers, anybody here a worrier? Anybody ever struggle with fear, depression, a little anxiety? You get to the point where you just overreact to things. Listen, listen, listen. You, you, in that moment, I need you to hear something. That is the moment to push into God. That is the moment not to focus on what we lack and the issue. It is the moment to, to step in and go, God, you're my all. I don't know. I don't get it. And I promise you, I've done this. I don't know how many times I've proved God over and over in my life. When I was at a place where I just thought, I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't know what to do here. I have no idea. And some goofy worship song, it changed my whole countenance, my whole thought process. And the next thing you know, God says, right? This is a silly uh, analogy. But this morning, the reason I'm already like in a full sweat and you guys are a little warm is there was no air conditioning on in the building when we got here this morning. Right? So we are warming up and trying to get ready. And I'm sending messages to everybody on the planet. Turn the air on. No, I wasn't doing that. Kind of. But 
but uh, but we were, and and like it was funny because people started getting in, and because it's hot, you know, it's hot, and and everybody started getting a little testy, like everybody's kind of, oh my god, right, and all this stuff, and it and it was funny because it was, uh, um, I just thought, okay, well everybody's going to be real happy with church today. We're just going to sweat. Like I just had this picture of me having this thing down the front of my shirt of just sweat. And then we came down here and, and the spirit, the Holy Spirit like stirred me talking to our team before. And we prayed together before and I looked at them and I said, Hey guys, um, if we don't praise him today, the rocks will. And so we can either praise ourselves or we can praise him. And praising ourselves is whining about the fact that I'm sweating right now when there's people in Africa that are sweating every week in a building that doesn't have an air conditioner. And we had this moment and I prayed and right in the middle of my prayer, guess what? The air conditioner came on. And it was, and I I looked at this and I was like, when you stop looking at what it is that you don't have and you start looking at who he is and what he does and how great he is, oh my gosh, everything changes. Everything changes. Number five, honor God with the results. Honor God with the results. Check out what happens next in verse seven. She went and told the man of God and he said, go sell the oil pay your debts and you and your sons can live off of the rest of what's left. Two quick, two quick observations. Then I'm going to close and I'm actually going to, um, invite Jason out to, to play a little bit for us as we uh, get ready for altar time. But, uh, two quick, uh, two quick uh, observations. If you want to honor God, we will use the blessings for the purpose he intended them for. Come on now. There's a lot of us who will ask God to meet a need And then when he meets the need, we walk away. Right? Some of you have prayed for that job and you got the job. But let me ask you, did you ask God what to do with the increase? See, because he didn't just give you the job because you asked. He gave you the job for a reason. He, 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 he honored your prayer request for a reason. There's a, there's a purpose behind it. And it's not just the next cruise or vacation. Nothing wrong with doing those things, but what is it that God, we have to honor him with the results of what it is. And so she takes the money and she pays her debt. You ever promised God you would do something in a tough situation? God, if you'll just help me pass this test. God, if you just help me pay this bill, I swear I won't spend so much money next month. Listen to me, that's not relationship. That's using. No, God, why do you have me in this situation? What do you have for me to learn? And then, God, would you provide in such a way that we... And then when it comes, God, it is to your honor and glory. Why? What do you want me to do with this increase? What do you want me to do with this job? What do you want me to do with this relationship? Some of you are single and lonely. You've been praying forever. God, provide me with somebody to love me. And listen, listen, stop focusing on what you don't have. Focus on what you need, and your need is your heavenly Father, and He will draw someone to you that is the right person for you. Right? May I suggest that in our society in these days, that if you have more than you need, listen to me, it's there to help those who are in need. And we gotta find that line. We, we really need to find the line of where is enough for me? One, one of the guys that I hold in real high esteem is, is a guy named Larry Briquette who was pre-David, uh, Dave Ramsey. 
And Larry Burkett was the, one of the very first guys who started doing financial stuff with Christians. Right? First guy in the Christian world to come out with budgeting and from a godly perspective and all this kind of thing. Well, all of a sudden, Larry Burkett like blew up, started selling books and all this kind of a stuff. And so he and his wife got together and they made the decision, what is enough for us? And this is probably 15, 20 years ago, but they came up with a figure of 75000 a year. At 75000 a year, that's all we need. Anything we make over that, we give away. Some of you may know the name Rick Warren, purpose-driven church, purpose-driven life, right? Saddleback. He sold millions of books, made millions of dollars. So he and his wife turned it upside down. He said, you know what? We're going to live off 10 and give away 90. See, if we have in the United States and we have these things, not to comfort ourselves, not to deal with that, but to turn around and to, 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 to help those who are in need around us. Right? So maybe today you're not the one that's so hurting. Maybe you're the one that just got the job. Maybe you're the one that just got a, a bonus check or made that big sale or whatever. And listen to me. You need to honor God with the results. You need to ask Him, God, what is it that is your story? What is it that you want me to do with this? And so I want to challenge you as we think about this story today of the, the widow and the oil. Like, who are you in the picture? Who, who you, do you relate with the widow? You, you've got a need. You've got a particular something you need God to provide right now. Well, then you know what you're going to need to do? You're going to need to humble yourself. You're going to have to turn your eyes away from the actual need, this dollar figure, this bill, this whatever, and say, God, you are what I need. Why am I in this story? What do you want me to do with it? And then listen to me. You're going to have to do whatever it takes, whatever he says. I was driving to Clearwater on Friday and I was driving down the interstate thinking about this teaching and I was driving and I stopped and said, Hey God, what do you want me to do right now? I'm headed down there to go fishing. Is that what you want me to do right now? And in my head, I just had this clear impression. It wasn't a voice. I didn't hear an audible voice, but I heard a clear impression. And, and the voice said, You know that crazy tower right as you get into Tampa on 275? And I've always thought it was like a Muslim prayer tower or something. Some of you guys may know what I'm talking about. It's this weird white tower that hangs up right next to the interstate. He said, I want you to stop there. And I had that moment. I had the moment I can only picture of this lady with the jar. It's like, is this me? Like, what did I eat last night? Right? And so I got off the interstate, pulled in. Apparently it's an old water tower. Is what it is, this big, huge white tower that's right out, right before you get to uh, Beers Avenue um, in, in Tampa there on 275. And so I got off, pulled into the park, and I'm like, I'm in, I'm in mode, man. I'm in like, okay, God, what's God going to do? And like I pull in, nobody else is there. Nobody else in the park. Not a person. Pulled in, and I'm looking around. Dude, there's a guy pulls in behind me and parks right down the way and then kind of looks over at me. Okay, like, do I get out of the car? Is he going to come over to me? Like, what, what are you doing, God? Like, I, I mean, I really just, I know I'm crazy, but I was really into this. So then I was like, well, maybe I need to step out in faith because I'm just sitting in the truck. So I get out of the truck and I walk around the water tower. Read a couple of things. Look, I look back at the guy, still sitting there in his car, nothing. Get back in the truck. All right, God, I, I did what you want me to do. What's the deal with the guy? So I'm like, at this point, I'm like, okay, maybe nothing's going on. I get in my car, I put it in drive, I start to pull out. And the guy gets out of his car as I'm starting to pull by. 
And I'm like, do I have brakes? Like, goes to the back of his car, looks at me with this weird look on his face. And then it looks back down and gets back to work. I pulled out, got back on the interstate, started heading to Clearwater. Nothing happened. I would love to tell you this amazing story. Oh my God, this guy showed up and he gave me a word from God. That's not what happened. Nothing happened. Zip, diddly, ding, dang, dong. But when I got on the interstate, I was like, okay, God, I tried to do what you said. And I heard clear as day the Holy Spirit say, I just wanted to see if you would honor me. I just wanted to see if you would trust me. And so I tell you that crazy story, not just so you can laugh at me, (laughs) but for you, listen to me, for you, like, will you step out? Will Will you trust God enough? Because that's when the miracle of provision in your life comes, is when you have that kind of step out of the boat faith. When you really are seeking him. Remember what we read first? What did it say? Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. I'm sitting in a park at a water tower going, okay, God, what are you doing? But he saw my heart. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so I'm just challenging you. If you've got a need or you've got a struggle, you've got something right now that you need God to provide, whether it be an answer, dollars, whatever it is, he had it all at his disposal. That's not an issue. He wants to, he's willing to, and he's able to. But you know what he wants more than just being Santa Claus? He wants relationship with you. He wants you to trust him. He wants you to listen to him. And he wants you to act even when it seems kind of crazy. And when you do that, when you walk with God, when we have a relationship with Him, He provides everything that we need. He provides every opportunity to get out. He is never going to let you fall if you will maintain your walk in relationship with Him. And so I want to challenge you today with that. For some of you, you maybe you don't have a relationship with God. And I just, I need to tell you, it's not some weird, ooey gooey, pie in the sky, spiritual thing. It's very real. He's a very real God that will talk. If you will listen to him and, and read his word, it's, it's, it's very simple and very real and yet so profound at the same time. But for some of us who have been in church forever and ever and ever, and we've gotten a little callous and we go through the motions and we call church, we, we do traditions. You know what I'm talking about traditions? I had somebody recently asked me, Hey, Pastor Micah, we, we, we have a church and we have a cross in front of our church. And they said it kind of like that, which kind of tweaked me a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Um, we have a cross in front of our church. Well, I came and I didn't see how come y'all don't have a cross in front of your church. And, and, and isn't that the way that we're kind of doing this religion thing? It's more about tradition and all this sort of stuff. Let me tell you something. We carry the cross inside of us. They didn't have a church. They didn't have a cross in front of the church in the Acts church. It wasn't a cross, it was a temple. Right? The reality is it's not about tradition. It's not about religion. It's not about some doing the right things and bowing at the right time. It's about relationship. That your heavenly father wants to have a relationship with you. A real walking, talking relationship and help guide you through. And all those things that you think you need, if you will seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, he will provide all those things. Amen? And let me pray for you today. Father, thank you for your word, which continues to guide us. Thank you for this opportunity for us to, to maybe engage ourselves a little bit and you.
in how we deal with lack and how we deal with struggle. For those that are here today, and maybe they don't have a relationship with you today that they would consider beginning a relationship with you by saying, God, I want to know you. I want to be in relationship with you. And I understand, Jesus, that you sacrificed your life for me. So today I give my life back to you. For those of us who have a need today, where there's some here that really have a real need, a real need, God, and they're hurting. They put on their Sunday morning mask, but they're really struggling. Would you help them to turn their eyes away from what they want or what they think they need and back to you, all that they need? God, we thank you that you are the great provider. Pray all this in Jesus' name and all God's people said.